Welcome to the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast, a podcast for school and district leaders who want to wake up and be excited to go to work, ensure that teachers are happy, students are joyful, and parents are engaged and make a positive difference in the lives of those they serve. Your host, Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, will share tips, tricks, and proven strategies to increase joy in your staff, students, and yourself. Welcome to episode six of Joyful Educational Leadership. Uh, I am so excited today to have not one, but two amazing guests on my show. They are a dynamic duo, a married couple named Andre and Danielle Dowdy. And I've been so impressed by them. Uh, Found them on Facebook and, you know, those principal groups and just loved what they posted. And as I told you, this season is about me bringing people to that I really respect and have a lot of gratitude for having them in my life. So I have Andre and Danielle here today and they're going to introduce themselves. Hello, I am Danielle. I have been in education for almost 10 years. I've spent a long time being a classroom teacher (laughs) and just recently um, transitioned into the instructional coach role um, at an elementary school here in Oklahoma City. Been married to this guy for Gosh, almost 21 years. Yeah. We've known each other since we were eight years old and we're still putting up with each other. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, hi, friends. Uh, first, thanks for inviting us. We really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Andre. I've been in education for 20 years. This is actually year 22 coming up in the fall. And I know we don't look like we're old because we're not. <laughs> We've gone back in time and back to the future. And, and here we are. Both of us deal with elementary students more. That's our passion. But we also can help middle school students, high school students, administration level, you know, all of those things as well. And uh, now I get the opportunity to serve teachers and students and colleagues uh, nationwide uh, through workshops and keynotes and conferences. And things like that. Uh, I also have met this young woman here. And the first time that I met her, I was just supposed to say, hi, I'm Andre. But instead, I I took out a... it took out my hand? Stuck out my hand. hand. (laughs) It's a long day. I stuck out my hand. And instead of saying, hello, my name is Andre, I said, hello, I'm going to marry you. Oh, yes! <laughs> and of course, I got dissed because, you know, back in the days, used to get dissed. I got dissed, mm-hmm. and all of her friends laughed at me, and all of my friends were like, What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I just stood there shook because I wasn't supposed to say that. Uh, but I guess I spoke it into existence because uh, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> there is a higher power at work there for sure. Must have been. Before we go in, I do want you to, I want you to shout out the other stuff, your podcast and your laugh a little, because that's really how we connected, you know, your laugh a littles and, and your keynotes and things like that. So tell us about that. And then how can people find you? And we can loop back to this at the end and it'll be in the notes also, but how can people find you if they, after this, like, oh, we need to connect with Andre and Danielle. Yeah, we have a podcast that we co-host called. See what had to happen. And it is stories from the good, the bad, and everything in between. And we just lift up educational stories uh, from a teacher's perspective or a student's 
perspective or any perspective in education. Because this education thing is, it's a wild ride. It is. (laughs) Everyone has a story. (laughs) Uh And we laugh at the stories. Sometimes we cry at the stories. Uh, Sometimes we just tell the truth in education and lift up some of those powerful stories that are sometimes overlooked. Yeah. And um, I had the pleasure and honor of being on their podcast and, um, you tagged me in it and one of my teachers watched it and she was like, oh my gosh, I watched the whole thing. That was so amazing. So I've been on a lot of podcasts and, and you're the only one where people have said it was amazing. So oh, wow. um, check out their podcast. It's on all podcasts and also it's on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we thank you for being a guest on our podcast. It's so much fun. All right, let's get started. So this podcast is all about making sure that we have joy in our lives. So I'm going to throw the ball right at you right now. So Tell me how, as a married couple, both in education, we know how education is crazy. How do you make sure you still have joy in your life, both professionally and personally? Well, personally, we I'm going to say I have learned because it was me, it was my fault. <laughs> I have learned not to bring the schoolwork home. You have to turn it off somehow. <laughs> and it, I, I admit it was very hard for me, but now I have learned, oh no, you've got to, you've got to cut that off and just be present at home personally. Yes. And that's, that's a challenge for a lot of us educators mm-hmm. um, because we have phones, we have laptops, we have tablets. They're synced and connected to this, that, and the other. And so sometimes we get home and we still have more work to do We want to research a better way to teach a lesson or we have this plan that we have to finish typing up and sending out to the staff or whatever it may be. The challenge is trying to find a balance and sometimes you just can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are some seasons we are working way too late at home here. And then there's also seasons where we have decided, like Danielle said, when I come home, I'm turning it off. I'm going to be present with my family. And I love that word, Danielle, that you used, being present, because that's how it came to me. My husband actually said to me one night, we didn't sign up for this. My Mm -hmm. husband, and it was talking about him and my children, like, we didn't sign up for this. This is not the family life that we wanted, you know? And that was my moment, like, pivot and figure this out, because you can't. You can't give everything to everybody, because then, you know, my little catchphrase is, your family who deserves the best of you gets what's left, the rest of mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and that's not fair to them. So mm-hmm. in terms of turning it off at night, which of course is easier than said than done, what about professional joy? How do you ensure, especially in these times with COVID and it's always changing and it's coming back and, you know, forever the teachers and, and leaders are dealing with those issues. How do you make sure you have joy in your, in your professional life? Professionally. Like I said, I just this year is my first year as an instructional coach. So my first year out of the classroom. But I find joy in going in other teachers' classrooms. Mm. And just the, the students, just their personalities, everything that I remember from the classroom. I, when I get to see those, those snapshots every day, that brings me joy. And then also just connecting with colleagues. On a personal level, you know, just getting to know 
people, um, that brings me joy as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Everything what Danielle just said is that when one wins, we all win model. And for me professionally, when I see people winning on the on my timeline through a tweet, whatever it may be, that brings me joy because we know how hard teaching and being in education really is. And so when you see a teacher, a colleague, a principal sharing a success, mm-hmm. <laughs> it brings me joy because now I can subtweet it or quote tweet it or repost it on Facebook or whatever. Like, look, this is what success can look like. Perfect example. We have a friend. Uh, his name is Omari. And today is his birthday. And he said, for my birthday, what I want to do is I want to share my success. And so he is a middle school music teacher, strings, orchestra. And so he shared their concert where they played like this really difficult piece, but he rearranged it where it was soulful. I can't think of a, isn't, isn't she lovely? No. That sounds right. He played some soulful song and arranged it. And these middle schoolers were getting down. And I was like, y'all better get it. (laughs) And so, of course, now when one wins, we all win. I retweeted it and reposted it. And so many other people retweeted it and reposted it. And so it's kind of like low-key going viral right now. That brings me joy professionally. Yeah, that is so amazing. And a couple of things that you said that I just want to highlight on is, Danielle, you said you get joy when you go into other people's classrooms. And my mother was an assistant superintendent when I became a principal. Yeah, she was assistant superintendent. And I remember calling her and being upset. And she said to me, stop, stop, go be with children. Mm-hmm. Hang up the phone and go be with children. And that has always been it for me. And that's always the advice that I give. Like, just go be with the kids. Don't worry about this other nonsense because it's, it's the kids who make it all right all the time for us. I think that that's really so important. And for those of you tuning in, either listening or watching, you can just feel the joy coming out of the Dowdies, right? So I want to ask that question about leading by example, right? You're an instructional coach and, you know, both of you work in elementary schools. I think it's really important to lead by example in terms of joy. So what tips do you have for people dealing with staff members or colleagues who are always Debbie Downers? How can you help them realize that it's not a stick in the eye, people? It's, you know, we get one one chance at this life. We might as well choose joy as opposed to choosing being unhappy. What are some tips that you have? Well, my mantra is I don't need any negative energy around me. Mm-hmm. So I try to reflect that with um, my colleagues because that transfers to students. Mm-hmm. So when you're ne- that negativity just oozes out of you, yeah. it's going to just trickle down to the students. And I mean, the bottom line is, we are here for students. Mm-hmm. So all of your negativity, you, you gotta you gotta know how to channel that elsewhere and yeah. and and be able to be present mm-hmm. in the lives of those students and making sure that they are transformed. Yeah. So just move around me if you are negative. I even had a student one time call me out in class. We had an argument. Something happened where you know. You go to school and I'm still harboring the things that I didn't get to say in the time before we go to school. And so I'm in class in the first hour with this group, this seventh grade group. 
and I'm teaching with some aggression. It's not the same happiness and Andre and energy. No, it's aggression. And her name is Jasmine. I'll never forget it. She raises her hand. She says, uh, Mr. Dowdy. So yes, Jasmine. She said, I don't know what you got going on here, but I don't like it. And she gave me the hand like this, right? And she's like, you need to go outside and take a restroom break and some water because it feels like you're teaching angry and you're taking whatever is out in your personal life on us. And that's not fair. And at first I was like, how dare you, you know, in my mind. Of course. Uh, but I can't say that. And I had to pause and I had to swallow my pride. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> and Jasmine stood up and she started to teach the class. So you could get, get yourself together. <laughs> and she let me get myself together. And then I came back in and we had a really good teachable moment of there are going to be days you come to school and you're going to be upset, angry for whatever reason. And you can't take it out on people. Uh, and Jasmine was the one who taught that lesson. And I thought it was the coolest thing because here we are as teachers giving students this agency right. to be mindful and to speak their truth. And Jasmine read me like a book that day. It's but just I want, now because of that too. But I want to point something out that you developed relationships with your students that they felt comfortable saying that. Yeah. Because there are many classrooms where that doesn't happen, where right. teachers do rule with the iron fist and the students are afraid to say something. Or if they do say something, it's who do you think you're talking to? Go to the dean. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that is such a great story on so many levels, like starting at the very basic of what a loving classroom you had that she felt confident enough to, to check you, <laughs> put you in your place, you know, for sure. Literally. And yeah. I think that goes back to what Danielle was talking about, how when you go inside of the classroom and you're angry, that energy is felt. The students feel the anger. They feel the sadness. They feel the days that you're sick and they can see it on your face. Like, this teacher's not the same. We're going to chill out today and not be as wild because right. clearly this teacher is sick. Right, they and they deserve, they deserve better. Yeah. I mean, they're the children, we're the adults. They don't need to be worrying about us, right? So making sure that we are present for them, that we... I always say, see the joy, expect the joy, be the joy. Like if you can do those three things, then you can have a joyful school. You can be a joyful leader. You just have to look for it for yeah. sure. And on the same ways as, as you know, they can feel the sickness and the pain, they feel that joy. Mm -hmm. Those days, I the days that I went inside of Danielle's classroom and she's teaching with her hearts on fire and she's smiling and they're dancing and singing and doing brain breaks and you feel her energy to them. They're excited about the lesson because she's excited about it. That same joy happens. Yeah. And so anybody, whether it be a staff member or a principal, uh, an administrator, a dean, whomever, professor, like people feel your joy or your sorrow. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. At the end of the year, how did it, when in your classroom, when they left, Danielle, sounds like your classroom is really joyful. What was it like when they left for summer vacation? What was it like for me? For them. Oh, I was I'm not playing. <laughs> uh, but seriously, um, my students, they, they would tell me before school is out, Oh, I want to stay in your class forever. And I would always say, oh, you can't, you can't stay. You have to move up. We always move up levels. So I feel like I created an environment 
where, you know, it was loving and trusting and just fun. And so I made, I feel like I made learning fun for those students where they did not want to leave my classroom. But, you know. You know, um, when I started this school, Renaissance Academy Charter School of the Arts, it was the first time I ever experienced children sobbing when it was summer vacation. Mm. They would leave and they would be on the buses sobbing. They didn't want to leave. And, and it was like in one, it's bittersweet, right? Because you're like, wow, we really did something right. But then you're like, oh my God, their hearts are broken, you know? But I'll tell you what, when summer vacation comes around, we're all a little bit ready for, for a little break. From I like how you said that so humbly, just a little bit. Nah, a it's lot. a whole lot of it. Yeah. Did you have a countdown days? Because I know I counted down days. Like we got 13 days of school left. We're going to hang in there for 13 more days. And then- yeah, I don't think people realize how much energy it takes to teach. Oh, that it's okay. like being like Lin-Manuel Miranda on, yes. you know, doing his Hamilton. That's like what teachers do all day long and what leaders and administrators are doing all day long. The teachers mostly, but, you know, depending on what we're doing during the day, it really sucks the energy right out of you. Yes. Yeah. You're always on. You're always on. Like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So let me talk to you a little bit about this concept that I've been talking to a few people about is um, this idea of like compassion fatigue. And that, you know, as educators, we tend to be take in everybody else's problems and and they come to us, they wash over us. What are some tips you guys have, especially as a married couple, you're both in the same industry. So you're dealing with the same issues, children at risk and all that stuff. How do you help fortify yourself so that when you come home, you can still be that present person. You can still be patient for your children. You could still be patient for your partner. Uh, You're not, you know, so what are some of the tips you have just basically to help fortify yourselves? One of the very first things that we did uh, when Danielle became a teacher, I I was already in the game, you know, 10 years. And she would come home hurt, sad, angry, overwhelmed, all of those things. And the first thing I would always say is, tell me one good thing about your day. Straight up, I know we're going to get to the complaining part or the overwhelming part, and I'm going to help you through it. But what was that one thing that you saw today? And there were a lot of times where she said, you know, I didn't have one good thing. And I was like, you've got to find that one good thing. Every day, there is at least one great thing about your day. And so every day for her first, what, two years of school, I would ask that. And that's what kind of grounded everything before we came home whether it be her and I on the phone while we're driving home or when she's in the house and we're eating dinner. What was that one good thing about your day? What made it great? Why did it make it great? And it really forced me to think because like you said, I'm like, oh, nothing did happen today. But every time there is always Mm -hmm. something good that happens. So it forced me to reflect and forced me to think. And then in doing so, I believe it calmed me down. Yes, it brings perspective because I remember uh, several times my dad had stage four cancer. And uh, that makes you think differently. It gives you different perspective on life. Mm -hmm. And coming home from school or coming home from work and you've had a really rough day, you say to yourself, yeah, it was rough. But there are people who are in worse conditions. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're, they're... there are some people who wouldn't mind our rough days. Right. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah. Bringing that perspective really helps, helps balance life, helps, you know, you you don't take some things as serious anymore because 
great. In the grand scheme of things, that's just us complaining or that can't be changed. What can we do to make that day better? Yeah. And I, I love what you just said because I'm going to flip this a minute. For those of us who are dealing with teachers or leaders or whatever who come to you with that negative attitude, everything's terrible, you know, the building's on fire, to just pause and say, let's pause for a minute. Tell me one good thing that happened to mm-hmm. right? Because in your brain, it switches from negative to positive. Mm-hmm. And as Danielle said, it made her reflect and it just made her think more. It also kind of tamps down that part of our brain, that reptilian brain that's ready to go all the time. You know, it, it makes you stop feeding that reptilian brain and thinking, no, wait, there are good things. I had said earlier, it's not a stick in the eye. My aunt uses that thing. Like if someone overreacts, she says, it's not a stick in the eye or it's, it's not a spot on your, right. you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's true. And a lot of times with adults, as we deal with adults, with these issues, we have to teach them an idea of perspective, right? So, mm-hmm. and maybe this isn't about you as a teacher. Let's look at what this means for the students, you know, and everything needs to go back to that for students. Yeah. So, And even with that, even with that, like, I don't mind staffers complaining, but in the midst of that complaint, uh, you got to tell us some solutions to it. Like, okay, yeah, you're complaining about it, but what is the solution to that complaint? What can we do to make that, that complaint better? So you give me the solution. You, you said that you don't like the way class is dismissed because kids are in the hall, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's let's think of a solution together, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, the kids are still safe. They're just out in the hall a little. It's too loud in the cafeteria. Well, when are you going to give students time to actually talk? Right. It's always too loud in the cafeteria. Yeah. And, the whole, and the older we get, the louder the cafeteria gets. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're we, recess, they're too, they're too, they're running all over the place. When do we give them time to run all over the place any other time during the day? Right, right. All so give me some solutions with this complaint. I don't mind the complaint because we complain. That's just life. Right. But after that complaint is over, what are some solutions to it? Yeah, and the, the way I, I say the same thing, I say obstacles don't have to be roadblocks. Okay, here's an obstacle. So how are we going to address it? Maybe you don't have a solution. You're coming to me to gripe. No problem. Sit down. Let's put our heads together. By you telling me the problem doesn't mean the problem is going to get fixed. Mm -hmm. And just because you think it's a problem doesn't mean it actually is a problem. Like if you break it down to brass tacks, you know. So I think that that's all really very important. And I agree. I mean, staff members, parents, they should be able to speak their mind. Absolutely. But in a way that we come to a solution or something yeah. that makes sure that the issue is addressed. Because that vent feels real good when you let it go, right? When, you, when, you, when you're angry and you're upset and you just need to, ah, after that, great. Now that you vented, what's our action plan? What, what, what can we do to, to help solve this, this complaint or to help next time when this situation comes up? Yeah, be part of the solution, right? Don't just throw the complaints out there, for sure. So what tips do you have before we round this out for the the day? What tips do you have in general for people? Like if you could give, let's let's talk about a new teacher. I'm going to ask you a new teacher and veteran teacher. You got a new teacher, she's just, or he is just feeling like, ugh, sapped. What's a tip you could give him or her to say, try this or something for them to think about? 
Is this for like the summer for them? Anytime. Okay. Yeah. My first tip is uh, <laughs> go drink an adult beverage. Right. <laughs> Take the edge off. Like, seriously, there have been so many times mm-hmm. that you are overthinking things and it is above you. There's nothing you can do about it. We all went through COVID. There are all these new regulations that popped up. And here we are frustrated because it's above us. There's nothing we can do about it. So instead of just screaming and ah, which I understand I get, but instead just go take a walk, go, go, go drink one of your favorite drinks, go do something that you love to do. Uh, For Danielle, sometimes it was retail therapy. I was still in. Oh, sometimes it is. <laughs> Retail therapy is a good thing. Yeah. Just get your mind off of it for a little bit. And, and then you can come back to it with a fresh perspective. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I would say find um, a mentor. Mm. Find someone who has been in the game for just a, uh, just a little bit. Because... They have experienced, more than likely, they've experienced what you're going through as a as a newbie. Ask all the questions. Get somebody you can trust, you can vent to, ask all the questions, yeah. observe, just everything. Just soak it all up. Um, don't be afraid to have someone. Lord, that is true. We we all do need help. And what I love about that is I think sometimes why people don't ask for help is that they feel like it's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And I know in my leadership team, I had executive, I had an executive coach as the CEO, and I and I had executive coaches for my my leadership team. So they had somebody other than me that they could talk to and say, What do you think? Because going to the boss with your problems sometimes doesn't feel Great. You know what I mean? I mean, not that people would judge you, but sometimes you feel like people will judge you. And I think that that's where mentorship, you're absolutely right, or coaching or something along the lines really definitely comes in uh, handy. So what about somebody who's been in the game a while, 10, 15 years, and they're just like, I'm not sure about this. What tips would you give them? Find you a mentor. (laughs) 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 Longer than you have. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Something that I've been seeing more and I understand and I get it. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of our mentor uh, veteran teachers say, I can't do this anymore. And I remember having a conversation with a friend who was wanting to fight the good fight, but the burnout took away their gift, took away their talent, took away that passion. They were just going to show up to get the paycheck. And my advice to that person who just felt like that, and I was like, your teaching certificate isn't going anywhere. Right. Go take a year off. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really think about it, you are harming the students by your ineffective teaching. Mm-hmm. There's a quote uh, that Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu once said, and he said, for every one year of an ineffective teacher, it takes two years of a great teacher to catch them up. And so there are there there is a mass exodus exodus of uh, educators leaving the profession because of burnout because of whatever it may be, and I salute them for making up that in their mind and having that decision that I need to bow out for a little bit. 
Um, and I would really give my friends of your listeners uh, that that advice as well. Do that self-reflection and that inner work. And if your heart is saying it's time to step away, please step away. Listen to your heart because uh, there is, I mean, it could be some physical health concerns because you're still in there and your stress is taking you to places that you want or emotionally or mentally. If you are a veteran or a newbie and it is just too overwhelming and your health is failing, there may need be, may need to be some self-reflection and just to step away for a while. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, that misalignment either to your mission or your values is what I call it. But if, if it's if you're not aligned anymore, yeah. it's burnout city, right? And um, I think as a society, we've grown in the knowledge that you don't have to stay in the same job for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a good thing. I mean, do you remember when we were in school? I'm a little, I'm sure I'm older than you guys are, but you know, I had this teacher who whenever he or she was uh, observed, they would bring out this yellowed lesson plan that was like the best lesson they ever did. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And they were proud that they taught in the same room for 32 years. And I thought to myself, well, it's fine if, if, if you're still into it. But, you know, when they start counting their days until retirement, like it's a prison sentence, you know, that's, that's something. So I think that's true. And I think it, it takes bravery. Mm-hmm. do that. But I do, I do believe that it, that really, really is important. And there's so many skills that crosses over from being a teacher for whatever reason, Joe's society has said, if you are a teacher, you, your skills don't transfer into other professions. And I'm here to tell you that they do. Yes. Everybody needs some organization. If any, everybody needs to be able to adjust. That's what teachers do great. <laughs> yeah, on the fly, right? On the fly, yeah. Talk about uh, customer service. We got that yes. down pat, you know, so. I mean, you name it. We already know how to do lesson plan. We know how to do year-long budgets because we're thinking about field trips, about excursions. We're doing all of the sports and all, yeah. We could probably even go into nursing, you know, all of the bloodborne pathogens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. all of those workshops, we yeah. can do the PDs for all of these companies and they need these workshops and these trainings. We could be professional, professional mediators because we deal with problems between kids. I mean, so right? yes, we are ad hoc counselors, yes. <laughs> parental support. We, yeah. we know how to talk to parents and get those parents off the ledges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bus drivers, we, we, know how, we know how to drive 900 kids in one bus. All right, yeah. when we started this, Andre told me that he had the nickname Rowdy Dowdy. Now you know why. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting himself all worked up, but you're right. There are so many things that we can do. So here are my last two questions. What's your first joyful memory? Hmm. Personally, professionally? Oh, personally. Okay. Danielle's going to say when you said, when they, when you were eight years old and she said you were... When oh, you were no. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to yeah, say that. Not at all. Not the way <laughs> she looked at me after I said that. Oh, no. I was not on that radar DMC. Not at all. <laughs> I, I was, I, the first thing that came to mind was like food. I said, this should not be. <laughs> you know what? I think my first joyful memory mm. is, ah, uh, yes, a, my fifth birthday party. 
I am a November baby. And sometimes my birthday falls on Thanksgiving. And I remember at five years old that everybody was at my house and I and they sang happy birthday to me. I thought everybody was there for me. They weren't. It was Thanksgiving. <laughs> but all the love that I felt um, in that moment, mm-hmm. that brought me joy. Yeah. That's awesome. This isn't my first, but this is something very memorable. Okay. Pre-COVID, Danielle and I went to Jamaica. And that was our first time. We, you know, passport. We we're trying it. And then I thought to myself, while we're there, we want to visit a school and give that school some supplies, give that school some money, give that school some books. And so we found a school who would be willing to do that. And so here we are, we go to the resort and we tell the resort people, you know, this is why we're here. We're helping the school out at such and such place. And and they upgraded us to the presidential suite free of charge because they saw that we were giving back. And so that day, Danielle and I, we go and we visit uh, the school and we talk to the students and the teachers. And and we had some friends who also partnered with us and they were there. And we just had a really good time helping these teachers at this school And once again, it goes back to perspective. We in America really have it good, even though some of our schools appear like we don't Mm -hmm. compared to other schools uh, in other nations and other countries. Uh, And I just remember us on on the ride back home in the taxi. We are just on cloud nine. And like, oh my goodness, we just got to spend the entire day with these students and they accepted us. They didn't even know who we were. You know, the teachers didn't know who we were. And well, prior to the emails and the phone calls and ah, that, that, that was, it was Jamaica too. Don't get me wrong. It was Jamaica, but just the fact that we got to help others win. And they were asking Danielle for second grade tips. And uh, the administrators asked me, like, what are some other ways that we can do PD? Because our teachers need this, that, and the other. And so we built a really good working relationship with them. That's um, beautiful. On so, yeah. so many levels, that is so beautiful. And the schools are different. I mean, the resources that the schools get there are nothing like the resources we get here. They also do corporal punishment, unfortunately, still. So, you know, there there's just that whole just differences, but we are, we are lucky. I mean, even with this COVID situation that the government has come up with so much money for schools to try and, and take, take the burden off of us, you know, which has been helpful, but I love that you guys did that. I love that you went and did that and took a day out of your Jamaica vacation to, to visit an elementary school. That's amazing. And it was phenomenal because here we are, we walking in and uh, they see Danielle and they see her and they're like, she looks like me. Mm-hmm. And then once Danielle starts to talk to some of the students and they see that we know academic and, and we can teach, oh, their eyes really got big then because we weren't just a worker or a farmer or whatever. They saw us as teachers and they were like, ah! and I mean, they wanted to give us hugs and we were like, no, no hugs because y'all are supposed to be learning. Oh. <laughs> we, we but it was just so phenomenal that they saw people who looked like them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, um, where in Jamaica were you? Which part? Do you remember? Montego, Montego Bay. Bay. Montego yeah. Bay. Awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah. So right near the airport, which is nice. Yeah. Jamaica, we were literally right near the airport. Yeah. Jamaica is my happy place. I want to retire there. My husband's not so sure, but you know, we've got time. <laughs> we've got time. I, I love Jamaica. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your most recent joyful experience? <laughs> my most recent joyful experience was planning our summer vacation. Nice. I know that I'm about to be really busy starting next week. And I am going to be out of pocket doing workshops and schools getting new money and planning for this and that. So the PD all summer is going to be me. But we carved off one week in the summer and we're all going to go to California. Nice. So being able to invite extended family and say, we're going to California. We want you to come with us. But if you don't, it's okay. We're going to go to L.A. And so to see a lot of our family who are also going with us. And so now they're excited. I'm excited. We're all excited. And uh, we put some, we finalized pretty much the entire vacation uh, last week. So that's my last joyful moment. Okay. I thought of mine. Okay. Okay. All right. So our son is a freshman Mm. in college and he came home last week and the joy that overwhelmed my soul. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even far away. Not at all. He might, he might, not at all. I, I don't know. What is he about? An less hour than an hour. Away. Yeah, less than an hour away. But it's just something about him coming home and him playing with his sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do their their whole thing. Um, it, it, just, yeah. it just made my heart happy. Just, yeah. And you hear about... How, you know, a lot of the people who are now empty nesters, how they say they miss the noise in the house. Mm -hmm. I get that now because as soon as he came home, the noise was back in the house. And we were like, huh, what is that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You know, it's like the mama bird, right? The baby birds come back to the nest and, and everybody's happy. And, you know, it's funny because when they're little and they're with you all the time, you don't realize how special that is until they're not with you. And then it's like, wait a minute, where's my baby? But uh, I can't even believe you guys have a child who's a freshman in college. I just can't even believe it. Just immaculate. I mean, we're we're only 20. We only look 20. So yeah. Yeah. What about you, DMC? Give, Give us one of your last memorable moments. I'm going to be completely honest with you and tell you that it's this. I am having such a good time being with the two of you. And um, this has been so joyful for me. I'm so happy that we forged a friendship over Facebook. And I was thinking, uh, if I'm ever in your area, I'm taking you guys out to dinner. And if you're ever in New York, or maybe we need to make that happen um, to get together. Because I just, my soul has... I feel like our souls have met and and we're friends. So it has been a pleasure. And you've given such great advice today in terms of how to keep that joy, not just at work, but at home. You know, two people in an amazing, loving marriage, wonderful family. It is not easy and you guys are making it happen. So I'm so appreciative for the feedback you gave um, our, our listeners or viewers or whoever today. And how do they reach you, Andre and Danielle? Let's say that one more time. If they want to find you out there, how do they find you? Whether it's to get on your YouTube channel or whatever. How do they find you? Well, you know, I'm going to let Andre tell you all the things because he just, 
He just drags me into all the social stuff. That's what I do. I just drag. Yes. I, you know, I'm just like, oh, he's like, I want to do this. And I just, I say. I'm definitely uh, the, the kite and she's the string where I dream big and I float and she's like, okay, here's, yeah. Uh, you can follow our journey on YouTube at Andre Dowdy. Uh, there you'll see our podcast. Once again, our pack, our podcast are on all of the sites. So no matter wherever you go to listen to your favorite podcast, see what had happened podcast. Um, I'm also, well, we're also on all social media, Andre Dowdy, D-A-U-G-H-T-Y. And yeah, we're, we're friendly to everyone. Uh, At the same time, we don't run away from some of the more challenging conversations. Sure. Because even though we smile and have joy all of the time, our lives are a little different in this America yep. being two black educators. And so we don't run away from those conversations as well, but we're just as normal as everybody else in this world here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And maybe next season we'll have some of those conversations about being black educators in the mm-hmm. U.S. And, you know, it's interesting, especially you, Andre, because men in general there are less men, especially in elementary schools. And I always tried to fill my school with as many male teachers as I could, right? That my school would be diverse, not just in terms of ethnicity, but also gender and all of those things, because your school should be a cross section of your your society and kids should go there and see people who look like them. So uh, the work you're doing is amazing. Let's have that conversation next season for sure. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Episode, what were we? I don't know. I think this is episode six. Who knows? They all run together. But thank you to the Rowdy Dowdies for joining me today. This has been another edition of the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and share it with friends and colleagues. If you'd like to join our mailing list, please go to www.joyfuleducationalleadership.com where you can learn more about how you can become the joyful leader you were meant to be.